recording. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a shame? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I, I We did do that once. Oh, yeah. But via distance. Yeah. But I think we had a backup or something. I don't remember. I don't remember what happened, but yeah. I definitely remember. I always look back on our Halifax explosion one kind of upsettingly because A, it should have been in person. Yeah. And B, my audio is trash. Like, I didn't have a, the right mic selected, and we were using Facebook instead of Zoom, I think. I think so, yeah. Like, we recorded on Facebook or something, and there was so much something lag weird. in the audio. It wasn't good. Well, you know, the hel- it's good, though, because the Halifax Explosion is one that we could go back to for a part two. That's true. Like, there's lots to talk about. Yeah, we could pick a different um, angle. Facet. Yeah, angle. <laughs> if we ever record with North and Normal again after we record with them today, we should watch that fucking movie you're in. We can watch my movie. <laughs> my movie. <laughs> Shattered uh, City, the hell like explosion. The Linnea, Linnea story. story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh town... It, being back in Lunenburg, um, the center just finished filming, which was like all summer. Oh, yes. It was like the yeah, center, yeah. the center, the center. And it was like there was never parking because the center just like takes up every street corner always, yeah. which is hilarious because they just sit in the parking spots in lawn chairs. And it's like, what are you doing? It's what? just like when they're waiting for stuff. It's oh. like, I say lawn chairs. They're probably like those nice director chairs. But anyway, they <laughs> sit there chairs. in chairs. Um, but lock and key just came back which is like another which is a netflix show that it's like a weird mystery thing but they just came back and their first day back they just decided that they were going to put pylons in every single parking spot on the waterfront which is like probably 45 parking spots and they just blocked them all off and then didn't tell anybody and weren't really there to do anything it was so ridiculous isn't that that seems like illegal or something. Yeah, if Ludenberg had town police, maybe, but we have we have municipal RCMP. <laughs> I would love if Ludenberg had a cop. Just like town <laughs> town cop. We used to have like the meter maids. Oh. Um and they like really took their job seriously, but yeah. They're not even real anymore. I didn't really believe in meter maids and like parking, paying for parking, because in Sydney I've never received a parking ticket and oh, really? almost never filled a parking meter huh. ever huh. so i've seen one person get a parking ticket and it was on my like it was it was on me because i was like don't fucking pay like oh yeah they never come around they never ticket cars uh, and then they got a ticket but it's like a fun thing for locals in Lunenburg to watch tourists like dig in their purses to put change in and they're like haha sucker <laughs> is parking expensive in Lunenburg? No, I mean, the only thing there are, are meters. Yeah. And, and the meters are like, what is it, like 25 cents for like a quarter, like an hour or something? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but they're never like checked. Like there's no one who's yeah. actually employed to go around and check and the money is never taken out of the meters. So it's just like. <laughs> just for show. Yeah. And after 5 p.m., they don't count. And all through the winter, they don't count. So it's not October only hits. in the summer. So it's literally only the summer. They just like magically turn on for no reason. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so dumb. Anyway, yeah, we're here to record an episode. Welcome back to the Minute Women podcast. My name is Grace. And I'm Linnea. We get the intro about five minutes in sometimes. It's That's fine. okay. It I like it. I, <laughs> cold, I o- it. cold opens. Yeah. Oh, 
Um, your guy died from the wire. I know. I was so、Michael、sad、K. for、Williams. you. Yeah. yeah, big heartbreak. Yeah, very sad. I got I got two blows this past、oh, yeah? week because Michael K. Williams died from the wire, and also Community. If you like Community,、yes. two shows I love, and he's amazing at both. Yeah. But then in football related news, David、oh. Patton died, who was like. Sort of an obscure but very important Patriots wide receiver. Oh, okay.、Uh, he made some really important catches in like the early Patriots dynasty years. So, so he was old though. <sighs> no, he was like fifty something.、Oh, he died wow, in a car、okay. crash. Oh wow,、yeah. sad. So like both were sort of unexpected. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know these people personally, <laughs> but for their families, it was very unexpected. So、yeah. I feel bad. Yeah, rough week. Rough, rough, rough week for Grace. Yeah, rough week to be Grace. <laughs> I went back to school this week too. So yeah, really, you know, really、week. carrying that emotional baggage with、yeah. me all around St. <laughs> Mary's, just or not St. Mary's, Dalhousie. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. Walking around Dalhousie. Dressed- what are the? I was just gonna say, what are the trends these days? What are the young、oh, university kids wearing? Oh my god, it was so funny. <laughs> Please tell me. So myself. And Holly, who is my fellow PhD、oh, yes. uh, student, she's great. We were walking around campus, and she was giving me kind of a tour because she did her MA at Dalhousie.、Oh, okay. I've never really been on the physical campus very much, so we were walking around, and、uh, I, I would just—I said to her, I was just like, I have never seen so many crop tops. Cargo pants <laughs> and Air Force Ones、oh, in one spot. Also, girls decked out in like hoodies and bike shorts and dad caps, and then some kind of nose piercing. Always interesting. Yeah, nose piercings are big back. Like I knew septum rings were back. Yeah, which to me they just always look like a bowl. Yep. Right. I, I I can't get past that. Well, I just have too many allergy and snuffling issues <laughs> as I'm experiencing right now. Like I could never imagine having something else in my nose、I、other、know. than mucus. Like <laughs> it sounds awful. She'll、um, never do drugs, people. <laughs> no. Um. But uh, this cargo pant thing is interesting. I hate cargo pants. I think they're ugly. I know, but big pants are back. It's like it's all like brats fashion. Ooh. And like. Yeah, I think of like totally spies. Yeah, like、oh, there. I love that show. The show is great, and、yes. all of their fashion is back. Like all three of them, you can you can find girls wearing their outfits on the streets. For guys, we saw. Oh yeah, what what, what were the gentlemen wearing? The clothing wasn't so much of like a, a a standout, but I definitely saw like it's great because I am now. An elder on a university <laughs> campus. I am twenty-five、yes, like? years old. There are seventeen-year-old children on this university、uh, campus, and so wow, you see people like because also you basically have two years of freshmen because there's the freshmen from last year who did everything via distance, so they've never actually been to the university been on before,、campus. and they are living their life. They are reading poetry under the <laughs> shade of trees. They are playing spike ball on the quad.、Uh, I didn't see. Frisbee, but I'm shocked that I didn't. Yeah,、um, I saw frisbee on my way here. So they've just they're just they just saved it for the weekend for the comments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No,、yeah. so、it's like it's like we forgot what actually going to school was like, and so we're just taking what we've seen in TV, <laughs> and we're like, okay,、uh, I need a quirky sport, quirky sport, quick, quick, quick,、uh, play it in a field, play it on the nearest patch of grass. <laughs> oh gosh.、Um, okay, so. Well, speaking of back to school shopping, yeah, 
you know, we're we're gonna stay with the the shopping trend, and it. we are gonna do one of the newer heritage minutes, <gasps> the Kensington Market Heritage Minute. Oh, cute! Yeah, so I mean, the Kensington Market Heritage Minute, I think, is the first fully animated heritage I minute. I think so. I think it was before insulin. So. Yeah, and insulin wasn't fully animated. Oh yeah. Well, no, but there was a little ins- insulin tidbit before the yeah. new insulin minute. I don't even know what they call those, but yeah. they put little out, vignettes. They put out vignettes, like there's yeah. one on Africville, yeah, yeah. and they're all fully animated. This is like a true proper heritage minute. Okay, but it's also animated. Interesting. So, I don't know what the overlap is there, but anyways. Um, to, to me personally, I mean, the Heritage Minute. Someone it, in it the art department, shows, they're having fun. <laughs> the Heritage Minute mostly just shows Kensington Market through time. Okay. Um, and that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to learn yeah. all about Toronto's hipster shopping haven yes. of Kensington Market. Is Kensington Market in Toronto? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh Bay- I was thinking the Byron Market. That's oh, in yeah. Ottawa. That's Ottawa. And a little less hipstery. A little There's less like hipstery. A McDonald's I was, was going to say, I've been to the Byron Market. Like, that's a cool market. I've never been to the Kensington Market. I've never been to Byron Market, but oh, I have been to Kensington all right, Market. Well. I'm trying to, I, I went to a vintage shop and I bought some pants that I never wear because they're really, really tight and like wool. I don't know why I bought them. Huh, interesting. Um, and they, the hipsters told you to. The, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think I went and I was just like, I've been walking around Kensington Market for like two hours and I haven't bought anything. I should just buy something. They were in their beanies and they turned around and they were like, do it, Grace. Do it. <laughs> I bought sushi. Oh, yeah. At nice. a restaurant. It was pretty good sushi. Yeah. Nothing, nothing like mind blowing, but also nothing to complain about. Yeah. And there's a lot of graffiti on like all the walls and like plant boxes. It's, it's a fun little place. Sweet. If you're in Toronto. It's a vibe. It's a vibe for sure. <laughs> So the densely packed residential and commercial space we now know as Kensington Market started out as a forested rural stretch of the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations, and the Huron-Wendat. Okay. In the late 1700s, this land was surveyed by British colonial administrators, a.k.a. they stole the land. Yeah. And then they were like, great, it's ours now. Let's mm. partition it out. <laughs> Um, welcome to Canadian history. Welcome to Canadian history. Uh, they parceled out these new partitioned lands to lo- loyal government officials and military officers. And this was done in an attempt to establish the British aristocratic rule. Kensington Market sits in the middle of what was then park lots 16, 17, and 18. Nice. And it's also like Kensington Market isn't small. Okay. So I love that that's like, it's just like, oh, just three lots. It's like one for each person. They would have been massive. Yeah. In 1815, George Taylor Dennison, a loyal member of the British militia, purchased lot uh, 17 and half of lot 18. Okay. Which then created a 156-acre estate for himself and his family. Yeah, it's a bit. <laughs> that year, he built a Georgian-style home in the middle of this land and called it Bellevue or Bellevue. Fancy. <laughs> It's just not relatable. No. <laughs> I, I mean, like, housing crisis in Halifax. We're right. probably going to bring that up every week, but it's just not relatable But content. it's just not relatable to be able to just buy a huge lot and slap a house in it. Slap a house. A Georgian-style house. Yeah. In 1853, the Bellevue estate was inherited by his youngest son, Robert. Um, Robert was also a loyal member of the British militia. In 1866, for example, he commanded a provisional battalion during the Finian Raids. Ooh. A Heritage Minute uh, recurring event yeah. many times over. Over and over. 
I love it when Irish people try to invade Canada. Angry Irish people. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I do really want to do like there should be a deep dive series on the Finian raids. Oh, just for because sure. they're so funny. Yeah. There's, it all sounds very fun. I mean like people die, but yeah. it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> they died for the sake of comedy. And also not too many people died. They were like, uh you know? it's not a I'll tragedy. take one for the team. I'll take one for the team. It's like for the bit, I will die. Yeah. I will die. <laughs> but just for the bit. Just for the bit. <laughs> Uh, so in 1858, he donated the lands and funds necessi- necessary to erect the Anglican Church of St. Stephen in the Fields. <laughs> oh, God. In his fields? I don't know. I love that that was actually the saint's name, though. Like, St. Stephen in the Fields. Well, we already have St. Stephen, so we need St. Stephen in the Fields, just so people know the difference. <laughs> they were like, where's the other Stephen? He's in the Fields. Perfect. Brilliant. <laughs> St. Stephen's, that's a that's like my grandmother's church. That's like the church that I was baptized in and stuff. Yeah, like I don't know what St. Stephen is the yeah. saint of. Um, but um Fields. In the fields, Nature. I guess. <laughs> Butterflies. <laughs> uh, and it, this church still stands on the corner of College Street and Bellevue Avenue. So oh, nice. this church takes its name. Oh, here we go. Oh. This church takes its name from the fact that it was located in an open field when it was first built. Oh, shocking. So it's just St. Stephen, and he happens to be in the field when he's in this church. Right. When he's in this church, he is in the fields. Right, okay. <laughs> By 1854, uh, Robert had his lands subdivided into smaller plots for development, and within 30 years, Kensington became a middle-class Victorian suburb for immigrants who were mostly from the British Isles. Um, the street names reflect the the era in which Kensington Market grew up. Uh, so you have Denison Avenue, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, you have Oxford Street, yep. Wales Avenue, mm-hmm. Fitzroy Terrace. Fitzroy Terrace. And Kensington Avenue. Okay. Kensington Market became a market in the early 1900s. So for a long time, it's just like a middle-class neighborhood. Right. Um, Jewish immigrants who originally settled in the Ward District of Toronto began to move into the area and set up shops that served the specific cultural needs of their communities. Right. Kosher deli. Kosher delis. Mm. <laughs> well, the other... Okay, so I have a question. Okay. I have a question. Okay. Which I... happened to me yesterday because I was buying flaky salt because I am making focaccia today. Right. It's kosher salt. Yeah, and I understand kosher is a process that typically applies to meat, but well, how does it apply to salt? Like, what is the mm-hmm. kosher process for salt? Is it just a blessing? Is it just blessed? Or is it, like, more than that? I don't know. Is there something you can't do in the salt-making process? Like, in the Torah, is there something that says, like, you can't make salt on Saturday? And, like, oh, so all kosher salt is like, don't worry, we didn't make it on Saturday. Okay, it's Monday salt. Monday. <laughs> let's let's have a little Google because I always hear it, and it's yeah. always like a recipe item too. So I'm like, it, it, there must be something different about it, unless they're just bougie. Oh, okay. It is kind of a bougie thing. Okay. So it's because the flakes of the salt are larger, which makes them better for the koshering process. Oh. Which is how you prepare the meat. Oh, there you go. So, so it's like kosher. It's pre-kosher. Yes. You can use this salt to make kosher food. Yes. So you wouldn't you use go. regular salt to make kosher food because it's not, not it's not like enough. flaky or, or like would make enough of a brine, I suppose. Gotcha. All yeah. right. Well, we learned um, something. And then it just goes into how you how you prepare the meat um, with kosher salt. But yeah, that's it. 
Learn yeah. something new every day. It's certainly not about Canadian history, but it will be about it's certainly not Jewish food preparation. Oh, and it's it's actually called koshering salt. Oh, well, there we you have go. shortened it to kosher salt. We have been but it's a misnomer. Yes, and it's got the sodium chloride compound um, that makes it a larger grain size and contains no additives such as iodine or clumping agents. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So it works for the koshering process. That's it. The thing, the more you know. The more you know. The things Google can teach. (laughs) Well, you're probably going to find a lot of kosher salt in Jewish, uh, the kind of like the Jewish era of Kensington Market. For sure. So Toronto, during the early 1900s, was predominantly an Anglo-Protestant stratified society. (laughs) Uh, Poor immigrants were, for the most part, excluded from any form of social advancement. Shocking. (laughs) The ward, or St. John's Ward, was located around the area of the city where Toronto City Hall is currently located. In the late 1800s, immigrants from Italy and Jewish people, primarily driven from Eastern Europe and Russia by anti-Semitic persecution poured into the board and found affordable yet deplorable places to live <laughs> mm, that's always nice i love that phrase that's affordable yet deplorable that sounds like halifax that's right now most of halifax rental market uh. <laughs> here they also found other immigrants from their home country and jobs in the needle trade in sweatshops of local garment manufacturers uh, oh oh Talking about, like, manufacturing, have you seen the um, Radium Girls? Oh, and it's about yeah. it's about all of the women who were, like, in the radium factories and yeah. how it starts to kill you. Yeah. And uh, you die. Yeah. And, uh, and how they ended up taking, like, Radium America to to court. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't actually know what happened with that. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming we don't have radium factories anymore and... Yeah, I mean, I won't spoil how okay. that civil suit goes. But yeah, I mean, like, the Radium Girls are one of the earliest female-led right. workplace suits, I guess. Right. Like, yeah. it, it's it's really interesting. Um, it's so funny because Haley. Yeah. Really, <laughs> sort of one note in history. She'll be like, Radium Girls. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. why. I don't know. She'll just be like, oh, Radium Girls. She, she's just obsessed with We'll get with talking radium. about history or something. And then uh, somehow it will always come back to Radium Girls. And okay. I'm like, yeah. They licked radium when they were painting the numbers on watches. And they They did. all lose their jaws to cancer. And they lose, like, everything, yeah. And their hair and stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. gross and awful and terrible. Not good. And they're just like, it's fine. You're doing great, sweetie. Yeah, you're doing a great job. Listen, I know you want that sick sick day because you have a chemo appointment, (laughs) but those number 12s aren't going to paint themselves. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) brutal. Yeah, that's what that made me think of. Yeah. (laughs) Like, factories, yeah. Yeah, I also don't, it's one of those things where I don't associate manufacturing with Toronto, but I mean, obviously there would have been lots of manufacturing, especially like sweatshop style. Oh, yeah. Well, especially like World War II. Yeah, even pre that, yeah. yeah. It's like Toronto is such a industrial city for so oh, long. Definitely. And now we just associate it with being, with management style work and culture. Yeah, and like business. Arts and culture and business and stuff. Business so and factories. banks and Baker Street and, yeah. <laughs> so the Jews of the war began to drift westward into this Victorian suburb of Kensington because of the overcrowded ramshackle housing conditions of the ward. Right. They brought with them a fiercely independent spirit 
and their skills in the needle trade and independent livelihood they earned from the goods that they sold throughout Toronto from hand carts. So, so this sounds like non-Orthodox Jew, Jewish no, people. No, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't, during this period of time, maybe, but I don't think there's a huge Orthodox Jewish community in Toronto. Right, okay. Not for my, nothing like Williamsburg and the New York and stuff. Well, yeah, and like Pennsylvania, like in Pittsburgh, there's blocks mm-hmm. of like orthodox jewish communities yeah, yeah yeah so i don't think it's that particular sect okay. of judaism later stalls were built in front of their homes in kensington attracting other jewish businesses to the area so a lot mm-hmm. of the cases they don't actually have proper they're not buying stores they're buying right. houses and then they convert these hand carts that they would sell from into like a storefront in front of their house that's so cool <laughs> so your like porch becomes your store right. basically Uh, Many merchants converted the ground floors of their homes into stores and continued to display their wares on the sidewalk, as which is done still to this day. Okay. In 1900, there were approximately 3,000 Jewish people in Toronto. By 1913, this number had increased to 32,000. Oh, whoa. By 1931, there were 45... 5,305 Jewish people in Toronto. And so precise. I know. And 80% of them lived in Kensington. Oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Their arrival, the takeover. <laughs> yeah. The arrival to the neighborhood marked the beginning of Kensington Market, which at this time would have been known as the Jewish Market. Oh, okay. In the early 1900s, the Jewish Market was a micro-village that catered to the specific needs of the Jewish community that lived there. Um, in Yiddish, the community would have been known as shtetl. Okay, shtetl. Shtetl, that's cute. Um, I, I don't know if that's what they would call Kensington Market specifically, or if that's just like right. the concept of like, we have our own micro-community within the wider right. community. Vendors sold live chickens, ducks, and fish. Um, pickles and pickled herring in four-foot barrels. Oh, God. A fresh kosher cheese was made on site. The smell of food filled the air. It was a safe community and meeting place, but sometimes anti-Semitic gangs would come into the market looking for a fight. The young men in the market hid bottles behind their counters in their stores so they could grab them to use as weapons if needed. Jesus. (laughs) They talk about the Molotov cocktail. They don't talk about the Kensington Market cocktail. Yeah. A Kensington Market fish merchant once used a mackerel to smack an invader in the face. (laughs) It's just like, it's like, I learned this one from Bugs. Bugs Bunny. (laughs) (laughs) To secure a job in um, a genteel workplace, Mm -hmm. so a non-Jewish workplace, uh, at this time you were required to work on Saturday, and this made finding jobs impossible for observant Orthodox Jews. So there are some. The organization of Kensington Market was their attempt to earn a living and still maintain their independence without compromising their faith. Mm -hmm. This neighborhood served not only Jewish immigrants during this time, but also Italians, Ukrainians, black people, and Hungarians. Discrimination against these groups were rampant outside the secure and tolerant environment of Kensington. Mm -hmm. At this time, there were over 30 synagogues in Kensington Market. Um, Where do you fit them? One on almost every corner, That's and insane. each representing a different town or province in Eastern Europe. So, like, That's obviously, you have some homogenization outside of that. But like, once you're in the community, it's like, where are you from? No, 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 no. 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 Like, where, where are, are you from? from? <laughs> uh, I I just had that conversation with my grandmother because we're watching the tennis, 
And she's like, well, where do you think Layla Fernandez is from? (laughs) And I was like, my mom and I are like, Canada. And she's like, no, no, no. But where do you think she's from? Like, where are you from? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We were like, Nana, be woke. (laughs) (laughs) Two synagogues from this era are still operating. Huh. The Kiever Synagogue, built between 1924 and 1927 okay. uh, by Ukrainian <laughs> Jews from, as you could guess, Kiev, um, really, who escaped Tsarist Russia, stands on the exact location that the Denison Estate used to stand on. Oh, okay. So the congregation was called, in English, uh, Pursuers of Peace, Men of Kiev, which in, I'm assuming, Yiddish, mm. though this is going to be a butchering. Um, Rodfe Shalom Anshe Kiev. Okay. Uh, the Anshe Minsk Synagogue, or the Minsker. Minsker. Um, which um, you're never going to guess what city they came from. Why? It's a bit. They come from Minsk. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, are you serious? That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Uh, it was built in 1930 to serve Russian Jewish immigrants from Minsk, uh, and it was opened on St. Andrew Street. Oh. This synagogue was also known as the downtown businessman's shul, <laughs> since services were convenient to sweatshop owners along the Spadina Avenue. Nice. Sometimes referred to as Red Spadina Avenue because of the left-wing political views of the people who worked in the needle trade there. The street had a width that made it perfect for labor demonstrations, and strikes were common during this period of unrest. Hmm. What is the needle trade? I'm assuming it's like tailoring. Oh, okay. Yeah. That so, makes sense. Yeah, I know there's a lot of Jewish tailors. Yeah. But um, I don't know what... I'm sure there's like different tiers of that like right taylor and cobbler and right different types of needles for different types what's the of funny things? name for people who make hats haberdasheries oh yeah haberdasheries Haberdashery. there's a haberdashery in lunenburg really yeah. they make hats there she does yep the hat lady so after the second world war the jewish population of the market began drifting north up to bathurst street um, why in the 1950s why are they leaving why do they want to go i think it's because of like social mobility okay. like i think kensington market is it's a tolerant safe neighborhood but it's not like the nicest neighborhood in right. the world um between 1951 and 1961 the jewish population of kensington market dropped from 2600 to just 780 people oh, wow. During the 1950s, a large number of immigrants from the Azores fleeing political conflict moved to the area and further west along Dundas Street. The arrival of new waves of immigrants from the Caribbean and East Asia changed the community, making it even more diverse Mm -hmm. as the century wore on. The Vietnam War brought a number of American political refugees to the neighborhood, um, particularly to the nearby Baldwin Village, adding a unique utopian flavor to local politics. Utopian flavor. (laughs) When I think of utopian flavor, I'm thinking like tutti frutti. I want like all of the tropical fruit. I was going to say, yeah, like I was thinking like a blueberry pineapple. Yeah. Yeah. Something that doesn't exist. No, something not real (laughs) (laughs) with some unicorn in it. Just a little shaved unicorn on top. Shaved unicorn. Don't worry. They like it. (laughs) We're not, we're not, we do not condone unconsenting shaving of unicorns. (laughs) It's like, all right, here's your unicorn. Get the razor. (laughs) 
As Chinatown is located just east of Kensington, the Chinese are now the largest ethnic group in Kensington Market. During the 1980s and the 1990s, identifiable groups of immigrants came from Central America and Somalia, Ethiopia, Sudan, Iran, Vietnam, Chile, and other global spots. Just a little mosaic there in Kensington Market. Lots of people from all over. However, the largest group of immigrants to Kensington Market following the Jewish people were the Portuguese. While Portuguese have been immigrating to Canada since before Confederation, it wasn't until 1953 when the Canadian and Portuguese governments signed a labor migration agreement that large-scale immigration began. Hmm. They make cute dogs. Portuguese water dogs. Real cute. (laughs) Many of these newcomers settled in the market and continued the Kensington Jewish tradition of adding storefronts onto the front of their homes. Portuguese bakeries, grocery stores, and bookstores began to pop up to serve this new community. A Portuguese-language newspaper from a wide variety of political perspectives could be found in the market. The Portuguese fish stores, still located in the market, carried the traditional Portuguese food staples of codfish and sardines, as well as a wide variety of other fresh and frozen seafood. Hmm. Today, these stores cater to the ethnically diverse shoppers who frequent the market. The first Portuguese-Canadian club was founded in the market in 1956 to foster knowledge of Portuguese history, language, and culture. In 1966, the FPCC also created a credit union to serve Portuguese immigrants. Post-Second World War immigration to the market also brought large numbers of Hungarians to the area, adding to the neighborhood's international feel and flavor. (laughs) So in the 1960s, there were plans to tear down the densely packed small houses and replace them with large apartment-style housing projects. Okay. So urban renewal, basically. They're like, we're going to tear down everything you love and replace it with something else. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great for Wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be fun? We didn't ask, but we know what's best. Yeah. <laughs> and this was going to be done around the neighboring Alexandra Park mm-hmm. as well. These plans came to an end with the election of David Crombie uh, when he became mayor of Toronto. Crombie was strongly opposed to the massive urban reconstruction plans that had been in vogue in the previous decades. Good for you, Crombie. So Crombie's pretty woke for the era. He knows what the people want. Yeah. In 1974, the CBC launched a new television show set in Kensington Market. It was called The King of Kensington. Ooh. For the first time, the national broadcaster was presenting a slice of Canada that featured the everyday life of the evolving multicultural tapestry of the country. Love that. The show was mostly lighthearted, but did on occasion delve into the complexities of the Canadian newcomer experience. Al Waxman, who played the main character, the tenacious Larry King, uh, actually grew up in Kensington Market. Oh, And the show was popular with viewers drawing between 1.5 and 1.8 million viewers per week leading up to its fourth season. Uh, And it ran until 1980. Maybe we should watch. Yeah. We should watch Kings of Kensington. Again, we should get uh, North of Normal. Yeah. We should watch Kings of Kensington. Kings of Kensington. (laughs) I know they mostly do movies, but. Yeah. I feel like Canada has a bigger television market than a movie market. I would agree. I don't know how accurate that is, but, you know. I've decided. (laughs) Well, I can just, I think of a lot of really good and quintessentially Canadian shows like Corner Gas and, I mean, Trailer Park Boys and Degrassi. And a green show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The market resisted the recession of the 1980s, partially thanks to a floating population of students attending George Brown College, which Mm -hmm. was 
where the Kensington Lofts are today, Mm -hmm. for anyone who's more familiar with geography. Um, George Brown College sold the property in the mid-1990s, and without the extra student traffic, many stores were victim of the recession of the mid to late 90s. In addition, many Portuguese store owners were at the time too old to continue working their small shops, which led to an abundant vacancy and invited a new wave of immigrant entrepreneurs. Uh, So businesses like La Perol, El Empiro Latino, and El Bueno Precio (laughs) took advantage of the growing wave of Latin American immigrants and opened their doors to offering ethnic street foods. Mm. Um, (laughs) Jumbo Epanadas, which sounds like... Everything I want every single day. All the day. Di- I could the eat empanadas. I could eat empanadas and just big anytime. ones. Anytime, <sighs> give them to me. My only issue with empanada is that I run out of empanada. So jumbo empanada. I'm gonna deal with that issue much later. Much later. <laughs> uh, so jumbo empanadas was one of the first to spice up the flavors of the market from a cart. So now we're reverting back to the cart. Back to the cart style. The cart style. <laughs> Um, they ended up later moving into the basement of one of the larger buildings in Kensington Market. All other Latin shops started selling their pupusas, and by 2000, a young couple of entrepreneurs opened the first taqueria in Canada called El Trompo. What's a taqueria? Like tacos? I think a taqueria is the name for just like a taco shop. That's very cool. That sounds but like it- what I want all day, every day. So today, other landmarks include the number eight fire station, Tom's Place, Bellevue Square Park with the statue of actor Al Waxman. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And St. Stephen's Community House. Um, Percy Faith, the 1950s composer and band leader, lived as a child at 171 Baldwin Street. His uncle uh, was a master violinist and taught him the violin and was reputed to play at the house for Baldwin crowds that Hmm. gathered around to listen. So people would just like gather around the house (laughs) and listen to the music. Bellevue Square contains a plaque given to Kensington Market in 2006, officially recognizing it as a national historic site. Oh, cool. A non-permanent landmark of Kensington Market is the Garden Car, which has (gasps) been a staple of the neighborhood since 2007. Okay. Originally built in 2006 by local advocacy group Streets Are for the People, the car is a public art piece that doubles as a community garden. There have been three cars since the inception of the first garden car. Hmm. Basically, they're just these, like, cars that are spray-painted, and then they've made flower beds in, like, where the engine would be and in the trunk. And so, yeah, they're, like, overflowing with flowers and stuff. They look very pretty. Cool. All this activity in Kensington Market led to a rebirth of Augusta Avenue. However, there were some seedy spots that remained, and this would often scare away, like, big companies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, big brands like McDonald's, they're not going into Kensington Market, but that's what they want. Like, Right, okay. So, like, there's this defense mechanism of having these seedy spots by scaring off bigger companies. Yeah. You keep the... The novelty. Like, the novelty yeah. and, like, authentic yeah. culture of the, the community. The authenticity, for sure. <laughs> so a Nike store tried to open up in the market, and the community rejected it very strongly by dumping dozens of running shoes splattered with red paint in protest of tr- the treatment Nike's workers receive around the world. Uh, eventually, such businesses transformed and moved out, and the Nike store was a tremendous corporate failure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Kensington Market continues to be a major reception area for new immigrants to Canada, creating a vibrant urban mixture of people and cultures. Historically, what made this area a site of startup immigrant enterprise was the affordability of the commercial rental space. This affordability is currently threatened by the latest wave of businesses to start up in the market. So even though we're not seeing big businesses, we are starting to see some gentrification in the area. Yeah. Um, High-end, expensive restaurants and bars are drawn to the area's bohemian ambiance and edgy street life. Commercial rental fees are spiraling upwards in Kensington Market, in some cases tripling overnight. This has forced some long-term businesses to move out of the neighborhood, threatening its character. Community resistance to gentrification has been strong, well-organized, and specific, but what Kensington Market will look like in the future is unknown. Yeah. However, there is hope. Kensington Market is protected by a variety of policies, mainly to enhance the atmosphere that is unique to the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. In November of 2006, Kensington Market was declared a National Historic Site. Um, And then Toronto's official plan, which is the vision for the city until 2026, does not designate much change for the neighborhood as seen in its land use map for the neighborhood. Okay. So the city of Toronto has been like, we're not going to touch it. Right. The city of Toronto supports what the Byron Market, or what the Kensington Market is. Yeah. (laughs) Without major change, no one, one can assume that Kensington will be a very stable neighborhood over the next, well, that's only five years away now. But yeah. <laughs> in addition to the official plan, Kensington is subject to site and area specific policy. The policies which relate to the proposed developments state, quote, any public or private developments and work should be considered with special characteristics of the area. Mm-hmm. So basically to get a license to make something in this community, you've got to meet also this like special the requirements. Requirements, yeah. yeah. Uh, new developments must adhere to uh, the following guidelines. So they have to be low-scale buildings with uh, a retail at grade. So that's at street level. Mm-hmm. Your retail can't be upstairs. Minimal setbacks. So you can't be like, it's going to take a year for us to build this building. Right. <laughs> and open-air displays of goods on the boulevard. So you have oh. to be able to sell things outside as oh, well. Oh, that's cool. Which I think is a huge deterrent for people like Nike. Definitely. Because no one's going to want to put shoes outside. Right. No, that's a cool, like, specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. Through the city policy, the Kensington market's uniqueness will hopefully be upheld for all to enjoy. Yeah. And that's the story of Kensington Market. I liked it. It also, Kensington always just reminds me of Winnie the Pooh. Because that's like the <laughs> gardens. It's the Kensington oh. Gardens in, in London. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Where, yeah, Winnie the Pooh. No, not Winnie the Pooh. Um, Peter Pan. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, it reminds me of some Disney character in a garden. Um, in my head, there's also a Canadian connection to Peter Pan, but I don't know if that's true or not. Oh, I don't know. And but that might be totally a crossing of wires in my head. I don't know. But Peter Pan, yeah, he goes to, that's where, like, Tinkerbell finds him when he's a baby. It's Kensington Garden. I've watched Peter Pan, mm-hmm. both iterations, the live action, mm-hmm. which I was totally in love with. With the the boy who played Peter Pan oh, in that movie, Jeremy Sumter, weren't we all? <laughs> yeah. When they kissed, I was like, uh, "Oh, I know. my god!" I just want to give him a thimble. Oh. <laughs> uh. And then obviously the cartoon one is amazing. Yeah. Tinkerbell, she's a freaking icon. Yeah, she's badass. <laughs> her doing her little like dress check in the mirror and then yeah. like checking her butt. And yeah. She's just like, 
It's just yeah. like the sass. <laughs> it's the sass and it's like I've been there. Yeah, I've, I've felt what you feel, Tinkerbell. <laughs> yeah, Tinkerbell was there for like the adult generation of women to relate oh, to. Oh, definitely. It's like, yeah, and she's like, fuck you, Wendy. Yeah. Coming around here trying to take my man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you've done nothing for him. Nothing. I saved him from Kensington Gardens when he was a baby. <laughs> exactly. The original book by J.M. Barry is actually very sad, but very mm. good. They should do like a Canadian and like interpretation. And yeah. he's found in Kensington Market. Oh, that'd be cute. <laughs> they fly away to Upper Clemens Park. Upper Clemens. I was gonna say Marine Land. <laughs> okay. That's what I was trying to come to. <laughs> Marine uh, Land. <laughs> Everyone loves Marine Land. Okay. <laughs> Except the whales. They yeah. don't love it. <laughs> the whales are not a huge proponent of Marine Land, unfortunately. Uh. All right. Well, that was a good one. Thanks. I like that episode. I and I haven't. I don't even know if I've watched the full um, Kensington Market uh, Heritage Minute. Yeah, we have. Sh- we'll we'll have to go and like we'll peep go it check again. It out. It's cute. It's like it's sort of the chronology of Kensington Market, right. and they show how it was a Jewish market, and then it became yeah. Portuguese based, and all that stuff. So very cool. it's very cute. I and, didn't realize uh, that there was so much yeah growth in Kensington Market. I thought it was more of like a tourist stop than. Um, yeah. kind of a community hub and i like yeah, that. yeah for sure and i yeah before doing this i really didn't appreciate why it's a nationally significant place right. like t- in my mind it was always uh, important to the city of toronto mm-hmm. but it's like why should i care no definitely has um, significance but yeah it's like one of the most it must be one of the most ethnically diverse Areas. communities in canada yeah. and it reflects a lot of the changing times of the country yeah for throughout sure. the 20th century so Cool. Very cool. Kensington Market gets two thumbs up for me. Two thumbs up for me. It is a cool place to stroll as well if you're ever yeah. around. You just walk around. Then you're like right in Chinatown as well. It's a cool place. Yeah. That tends to be how Chinatowns like pop up in cities. You're just walking around and then bam, like you're in Chinatown. Yeah. That's yeah, how it yeah, is yeah. in New York and San Francisco. I've been yeah. to both. And it's like, you're just like, everything's fine. And then bam, you're there. <laughs> San Francisco's Chinatown was like the first yeah, Chinatown. And it's super cool. Yeah. I... Um, there's a really cool video that talks about like why Chinatowns are so important, even though they're not really authentic representations of what China would look like. Yeah. They're such visual, distinct communities mm-hmm. that that is like in itself a defense mechanism to encroachment by the dominant yeah. society it's really cool well it's and cool i mean i was 13 when i was there and i still remember it as like the best chinese food that i've <laughs> ever had like it was so good this might be a bit of like a tangent but i was recently like with my my brothers and i was thinking about like the best meals i've ever had in my life mm-hmm. and i'm realizing that like for me food the best food, it has nothing to do with, like, what's actually on the plate. It's mm-hmm. totally circumstantial of what brought me to, keep, like, getting this Ooh, meal. Oh, yeah. Like, the longer I have gone, the more emotional turmoil, the more, like, <laughs> discomfort it took for me to get this meal, yeah. the better the meal is. Like oh, That's an interesting perspective. Because, like, the three that stand out to me, one is this soup that my brother makes is this like red lentil soup and I still make it and it's really you, really good you've talked about this red lentil soup I think I've I had it. I think you've made it probably yeah. yeah I love it it's very easy to make and I 
the first time I had it, I was in Montreal with my older brother and we had been like running around all day and it was freezing cold. Like I had never been to Montreal or Toronto during the winter. So it's just so Bitter. cold and it just does not get that cold here. And so I was just running around all day and was freezing and starving. And we come home, we eat this like warm, like hearty soup. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is the best meal I've ever had in my life. <laughs> The second one was another Montreal trip where we got ramen from this place in the plateau. Similar vibe of like running around all day, freezing cold. (laughs) Welcome to Montreal. (laughs) Welcome to Montreal. This restaurant is really popular. So we were in line for like an Mm. hour just to get like a three person table. Ben's like, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. We eventually go. We sit down. We eat this ramen. Best meal I've ever had in my whole life. It was worth it. (laughs) It was so worth it. And then the third one was... Aiden made this focaccia bread and I had been driving home from Cape Breton that day all the way from Toronto to Halifax which normally is about an hour uh it took me closer to two hours because it was just white out like were you in my car I was in your car okay I was in little blue um it was really scary because I was driving behind this white Lexus oh, yeah. that wouldn't turn its fucking lights on. So people yeah. would go to pass li- me in Little Blue and they're in their fucking Ford Rangers. And then they see a white Broncos. Lexus. Yeah, driving past. But they can't see this white Lexus in front of me because they don't have the lights on. So I almost am like... <laughs> You're just, almost smushed like four times. I'm almost smushed like five times in a row. <laughs> yeah. I make it all the way to Halifax just to be denied at the McDonald Bridge. They're like, yeah, we closed. <laughs> so I was like, had to turn around, go to the McKay Bridge, eventually get oh over the island God. or out over the bridge <laughs> onto the peninsula, get my brother. And he's like, would you like some focaccia bread? I made it today at school. And I was like, sure. And I was like, this is the best bread I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> oh so I think gosh. I am ho- like could never be a food critic. That's I, so funny. I am so yeah. I bring everything with me to the table. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the whole emotional experience is purely what's going to dictate That's how good this so food is. So funny. I definitely don't do that. Interesting. Like I like I totally. And I'm trying to think though. I think if I were going to describe. I can only really come up with one best food experience. Oh, really? To be completely honest. I mean, there's foods that, like, mean something to me, like, that I have an emotional yeah. connection to, like, hodgepodge at my Nana's. Yeah. Like, it'll never be bad. Like, it doesn't matter. And I was, I will always remember it as, like, the most delicious thing. Like, there's mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but I had, I had, <laughs> I love Eggs Benedict. Ooh. And I had the best Eggs Benedict when I was in Pittsburgh several years ago but i've had it every time i've gone since so it's at this place called kaya but oh, k-a-y-a and i'm there with my, my <laughs> friend kaya and uh so it's eggs benedict on cornbread with pulled Ooh. pork and a oh. chipotle hollandaise and it's like the I cornbread is just like moist and soft and chewy and the pulled pork is just perfect and the egg is all gooey and like it will forever be like if i was like on death row and they were like last meal i'd be like this is what i want that's amazing (laughs) so good yeah well now you know now you know (laughs) that's that's our review of kensington park (laughs) yeah Thank you so much for coming on that um, slightly bumpy but fun <laughs> journey about Kensington Market. Uh, I will also reiterate that I have a weird cold today. I hung out with kids yesterday, and so I'm sorry for my <laughs> sexy early Demi Moore voice. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. 
We should have gone on a tangent about Jewish food. That's like a whole other. It's a whole other tangent. tangent. God, I love lox. Yeah. It's like my favorite meal. Lox is your favorite meal. It's my like favorite. You love bagels? it. Bagels. Oh, bagels. Jewish people know what they're doing. They do. Yeah. It's that kosher salt. And and now we it's koshering salt. Now yeah, we know. Koshering. Now we know. Yes. We've learned so much. Ah, okay. Yes. This is such a culinary like journey. I didn't expect it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, if you haven't got enough of the Minute Women, you can check us out at our website, minutewomenpodcast.ca. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find all of our episodes there. You can find our merch store. You can find links to our social medias, which are basically at Minute Women Podcast on everything except Twitter, where we are at the Minute Women. Yeah. Um, but yeah, rate. And review the podcast if that's an option. It's the best way for you to support us. And make sure you share it with all your friends. Word of mouth is the best to review. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Kiever Synagogue, which was built in 1948, or sorry, it's not even close. <laughs> that's a little, that's a little recent. <laughs> it's just funny because it's not even any of the numbers. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. My brain. I'm really confident. It's like 1948. <laughs> it's a good year. <laughs>